Support for Market Foolery comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, who are excited to introduce their all new Rate Shield Approval. If you're in the market to buy a home, Rate Shield Approval is a real game changer, and here's why. First, Quicken Loans will lock your rate for up to 90 days while you shop. And here's the crucial part if the rates go up, your rate stays the same, but if the rates go down, your rate drops. Either way, you win. It's the kind of thing that you would expect from America's largest mortgage lender. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com. It's Monday, July 23rd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio, Jason Moser, Taylor Muckerman. Nice to see you guys. The Welcome band back, buddy. is back together. Good to be back. <laughs> Temporarily. Temporarily, yes. I'm I'm here, and then I'm heading to the train station to head up to Philly for a podcast conference. So, is that taking you for the rest of the week, or just a couple of days? A couple of days. Looking forward to it. There, there may be a cheesesteak in my future. There should be. Um, I don't even understand how you put May <laughs> That's right. in that sentence. I mean, cloudy with a 100 percent chance of cheesesteak. <laughs> exactly. Uh, let's get to the earnings. We've got toys. We've got oil. We're going to dip into the full mailbag. Let's start with the toys, though. Hasbro shares up 13 percent this morning. Hasbro's second quarter profit and revenue came in better than expected, which of course, Jason, leads to the question: What were the expectations? Well, much how high <laughs> or or low were these expectations? Much as I like to do as a husband, Hasbro is really good at setting the bar low so that they can exceed said bar. And uh, and, and Hasbro definitely did not light the world on fire uh, this quarter. But thank goodness for low expectations. I think here uh, a lot of the problems that we saw. Last quarter carried through to this quarter, and if you remember last quarter, the initial reaction, uh, the market sold off the stock in a big way in the first part of the day, and after the call, uh, things uh, sort of tempered out a little bit. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that they reiterated their operating profit guidance for the full year, and and so looking at this quarter, I mean, it was more of the same, really. I think the only uh, light really uh, on the quarter was in the entertainment and licensing segment of the business. Operating profit was up 64% there. They are working through the Toys R Us bankruptcy. It's not an insignificant ordeal, right? I mean, this is something that counted for about 10% of their sales. It was a big customer. So they're working through this. But I tell you, this, we talk a lot about leadership. We talked a lot about leadership these mm-hmm. past couple yeah. of weeks, of course, with Papa John's and all these things going on. This this is a really I think I think a great example of solid leadership and what it can really what they can really do for a company even even in, in times of uh, of uh, turmoil. I mean these guys are so great on the call they could make you feel good about going to go get a colonoscopy, right? I mean you know that it's not something you know it's something you need to do. I mean but there's no way anybody looks forward to that. I'm I'm convinced these guys can make you look forward to it, and and I mean they just are they're talking about the headwinds in 2018. They're working through them, setting that plate for 2019 and beyond. Going to be back to profitable. Uh, just just tough time for the company, but management's done, management's done a very good job of of keeping the market very forward looking. It's interesting you mentioned the Toys R Us bankruptcy, and that's that's one of those things that, and I think we talked about it on this podcast because. We went through this in the sports apparel industry with Sports Authority. For sure. You know, even though you have a bricks and mortar retailer that is troubled and eventually on its last legs and and going out of business, it's not to say that there aren't negative ripple effects for the larger businesses at play here. And that you know, and that's we saw that with Nike and Under Armour, more Mm -hmm. so with Under Armour than Nike, with, with Sports Authority going down. And 
probably not a surprise that we're seeing it a little bit with uh, with Hasbro, and we'll probably see it a little bit with Mattel. Yeah, they didn't go bankrupt because they weren't selling anything. They weren't selling enough. So yeah, certainly uh, some ramifications there for everybody involved. So, is there anything in particular with Hasbro that you're watching? Besides, I mean, I'll just agree with you. Or I'll take your word for it that the that the management is that good at sort of reassuring investors. Is there any metric in particular you're going to be watching over the next six months with this one? I mean, frankly, it's top line revenue first and foremost. I mean, it's one thing for management to say that things are going to be okay. I mean, it's another thing to go out there and execute. And I think beyond everything that they're saying, the fact of the matter is still this is a very challenging. Retail environment for a company like Hasbro. They have a great portfolio of brands between the franchise brands like Nerf and Play Doh, partner brands, and a lot of that Disney stuff. They just brought Power Rangers into the mix as well. So they have a great portfolio of properties there. And again, I think this is where smart leadership is going to come into play. And as long as Brian Goldner is there, I feel confident that they are at least able to address the headwinds in this industry much more capably than something like a Mattel. But again, it's one thing to say it, it's another to do it. So, if you're guiding for that for that operating profit growth there, that's ultimately what we're going to be holding them accountable to. And if they don't hit that, then the stock will be punished, I am certain of it. Let's move on to Halliburton, the oil field services giant. Halliburton's second quarter revenue up 24% from a year ago. Taylor, we've seen oil prices going higher. Mm-hmm. Why is this stock down 8% today? Yeah, well, I think it's a kind of counter to what Hasbro had and maybe too high of expectations. I think it's really tough to set these expectations with the oil industry. Still kind of in a state of flux, not necessarily as bad as it was a couple of years ago, but I think, you know, with the US Becoming the largest producer in the world, and still our president tweeting his opinions on Iran and Saudi Arabia producing oil. I think that there's still a lot of confusion there. So I, I think expectations were just too high, maybe not not well educated. So I think that's probably why the stock's down. I'm interested to see what they say on the call because at this level, I'm considering adding shares to my my existing holdings. But I do want to see what management has to say, kind of clarify a few things. But yeah, 24% largely driven by North America, as you would expect from Halliburton, with over 60% of revenues coming from that geographic geographic region. Excuse me. Uh, and largely land U.S. activity, Canada and the Gulf of Mexico down slightly. So same old story there for them. But uh, you see a lot of these completions of wells we talked about before on here and on industry focus about uh, companies drilling wells but not fracking them because fracking is the most expensive part of the whole ordeal. So you see that coming into the fore now and the completion side of the business really driving forward for Halliburton. So I think they're working through some of that inventory now that oil prices have risen. Uh, to make that worthwhile, but uh, management staying the course, and and I think that I think they're right in doing that. So I was on vacation the last couple of weeks and uh, did my best to sort of detach from uh, just the world in general. But uh, I could not help but notice uh, uh, not not only just driving by gas stations, but also just seeing stories here and there about. Yeah. You know, we're starting to see this narrative that here in the United States, the price of gasoline is going up. And you know, saw one this morning, like, hey, you know, kiss two dollar, you know, gasoline goodbye, all that sort of thing. When you see that, 
Where does your mind go as an investor in terms of opportunities and who's going to benefit? Yeah, well, uh, typically you would think if you know gasoline prices are rising, that refiners would be somewhere to look. But refiners are running uh, near record levels right now, so it's not that they're kind of put have their foot on the brake trying to drive up prices to increase margins. They're they're actively working through all of this excess inventory that you see coming out of U.S. shale oil fields. Um, I I just think it's uh, you know. The economics at play, supply and demand. Uh, summertime is typically the higher time for gas prices, and but you're right. This is the highest price I think we saw on July 4th in the last four years. So certainly some pressure there on consumers. Uh, even Trump uh, feeling the pressure a little bit with November elections. Nobody likes high gas prices during elections. So he even mentioned releasing some oil from our strategic petroleum reserves, which kind of ruffled some folks' feathers. As that not that's not what that is technically for. Um, I don't expect that to happen. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think that there's really anybody in particular that's going to profit off this. I think this is just a typical market uh, ebbs and flows with with uh, gasoline prices, and look for them to start to fall back down. Uh, in reasonable levels here in the fall and winter. All right, let's move from uh, buying gas to buying a home uh, because of rising interest rates. A lot of unpredictability when it comes to buying a home these days, uh, also causing some anxiousness out there. And our friends at Quicken Loans are doing something about that. They're calling it the po- the power buying process. And here's how it works. Quicken Loans will verify your income, assets, and credit in less than 24 hours to give you a verified approval. This gives you the strength of a cash buyer. And once you're verified, you qualify for their all-new exclusive Rate Shield approval. First, they lock up your rate for up to 90 days while you shop. And here's the good part. If the rates go up, your rate stays the same. If your rates go down, your rate also drops, which is great because, you know what? It's kind of annoying when you're like if you're in that mode of either buying a home or refinancing, and you're like you're focused on the rate that you get, mm-hmm. and then like a month later, a friend of yours is like, "Hey, I just I just did this. I got a low <laughs> rate deal." It's like, deal. oh man, <laughs> just really? one up you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but either way, you win with the rate shield approval, and it's the kind of thinking that you'd expect from America's largest mortgage lender. To get started, go to RocketMortgage.com/fool. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-year purchase transactions. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply based on Quicken Loans data in comparison to public data records. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, NMLS, consumeraccess.org, number 3030. Before we dip into the mailbag, just want to say a quick thanks to our man, Matt Creer, for filling in, hosting Market Foolery the last couple of weeks. Fantastic stuff. From Ben Stubbins in Southport, England. Ben writes, my son is about to turn 13. Not 13. Let me. Yeah, no, not 13. That would be a surprise <laughs> to Ben if he's listening. Wait a minute. No. His son is about to turn three, uh, and I finally uh, saved enough for him to start buying stocks rather than index funds. I can buy into 10 businesses for the ultra long term. What do you suggest? Uh, I love the focus on the not just the long term. We talk yeah. about the long yeah, we term. Do quite a Ben's bit. focused on the ultra long term, and that's because his son is about to turn three years old. Um, obviously, Jason, we can't make specific recommendations, um, but let's uh, let's maybe provide a couple of uh, businesses for at least Ben to consider for his nearly three-year-old son. Yeah, this son. is a fun game you play with your kids, right? Your girls? Yeah, it yeah. is. Cool. I mean, this, that's a very... Congratulations, yep. number one, on just thinking this way, mm-hmm. because I think uh, 
most parents are not focused on stuff like this. But setting your kids up for success, uh, time time is is your buddy here. And getting started sooner rather than later. At three years old, I'm sure the child doesn't really have any serious foresight into <laughs> the machinations of the stock market and whatnot. But they can teach you a lot just by the things that they're doing and the things that they're gonna do. And and speaking from the perspective of having two kids that are now almost 12 and and 13, they have a portfolio of something in the neighborhood of 10 different stocks. So I'll give you some ideas just based on their holdings. They own companies including Disney, Nike, Under Armour, Apple, Amazon, Starbucks, and even Hasbro, which we spoke about today. And I think with Hasbro's pop, that marks their at least four stocks in their portfolio that have at least doubled. Nice. And and yeah, so I mean they they really get a kick out of of knowing that their money is working for them. It's just like Congratulations! Mm-hmm. You're you're winning at life for basically doing nothing other than just participating, and that's what we're trying to get people to do is to participate. And uh, and so primarily when we talk about stocks, we're just talking about businesses that they think will be relevant when they are 18, mm-hmm. 22, and beyond. And so those are some names that come up, and they they also think that the uh, the war on cash basket is pretty cool just because they know all the names and they understand the fact that. Money is going to be moving around for the rest of our lives, and those are the companies that are that are playing into that trend too. Taylor, yeah, I think Jason mentioned a couple when he rattled those off. Google, Amazon, I think PayPal going to be around for quite some time. All of those companies uh, betting on the future and and succeeding in the present. So I think that those three certainly uh, could warrant some attention. And then a couple wild cards. I have Proto Labs, which is a company oh, that yeah. uh, has had a pretty nice last 12 months, and a company that I think could have a brighter future. Indeed, prototyping and low-volume manufacturing through 3D printing and injection molding. So, I think that that company, you know, I think that's the way that 3D printing might have an impact on the world and for investors, rather than the consumer 3D printing models that we've seen kind of go bust in the last few years. And then, Intuitive Surgical, and their DaVinci device with uh, some robotic surgery. I think that that's a wave of the future, and uh, the doctors are still involved, but I could see that becoming completely robotic at some point down the line. Not to say there's not competition in this industry. There are some folks emerging, Google being one of them with a a partnership with Johnson & Johnson, but uh, this company has a nice uh, head start, so I think that that's another wild card. And then Markel, company we just recommended in Stock Advisor Canada, Buck Hartzell did the write-up for us and said it's a stock he never plans to sell in his lifetime. So might not be a bad stock to never sell in your kid's lifetime, either. Yeah, that's a good one. I own Markel. I like that a lot. I have virtually zero intentions of ever selling there it. There we go. It's still yeah. a pretty small little insurer, mm-hmm. I think, with a great runway. And I mean, I think you keyed in on healthcare, which I think is just a tremendous market opportunity right. out there, and something that's obviously going to be relevant for many, many decades to come. And I'll just go ahead and tell you, the most recent stock that my daughter's bought, and I'm in the running here with Matt Gruber, I'm going to try to mention Teladoc more times than he mentions Costco. <laughs> <laughs> but Teladoc is the the stock that they bought most recently, and they were really excited about that because we've actually used that a couple of times in our household, and they thought it was pretty clever. I'll just throw out one other industry, and that is video gaming. Oh, oh yeah. for sure. Um, yeah. uh, you know, and we've talked before about companies like Activision Blizzard, Take Two Interactive, Electronic Arts, all that sort of thing. Um, I, I was struck uh, over the last couple of weeks um, because we talk about. This industry, and we talk about the rise of esports and and that sort of thing. Um, but I had conversations with with family and friends, um, and it was clear to me from those conversations that we are we are in 
maybe not the earliest of stages with <laughs> esports, but whatever comes right after the earliest of stages. We are yeah. so we are so early in the rise of esports, mm-hmm. and I think that. Uh, those three companies I made uh, named, as well as others, uh, stand to benefit because it really, it really does seem like um, it, it is not even close at this point in time in 2018. It's not even close to cracking the mainstream consciousness in the way that, well, actual sports are. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't pretend to know a whole heck of a lot about it, but um, I think it's worth noting that Amazon owns Twitch, and Twitch is. Becoming a a a real uh, force in that in that market, and, and I think that was such a shrewd acquisition. They bought it for just a little under mm-hmm. a billion dollars a few years back. I think it's going to prove to be a tremendous driver uh, for for Amazon for for a lot of years to come. So if you own Amazon, you do have exposure to that space. That's that's kind of how I choose to get that exposure to the space, honestly. All right, Ben. Hope that was a little helpful. Jason Moser, Taylor Muckerman. Thanks for being here, guys. Thank Cheers. You. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Fuller. The show's mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.